Hey, welcome back to Kidmen Talk. This is your host, Carl Bastian, coming to you from kidology.org. And yes, we are in the triple digits. This is podcast number 102. And I'm really excited because we are beginning a new series, and I've got a great friend with me here in the podcast studio. Say hello, everybody, to Craig Wilson. Hey, everybody. Super glad to be here with you, Carl. Uh, We actually get to do this one face-to-face. Yeah, this is great. Instead of Skype, we're sitting here in person. The only downside is they don't get to look at our beautiful mugs. That is true. During the podcast, but that's probably a plus. But, hey, Craig and I have something in common. We both are at the beginnings of new ministries. I have been at High Point Church here for just around six months. I've already done a couple of podcasts about some of the things I did starting out. And Craig, he's not a newbie to being a children's pastor. He was at his previous church for over six years, Um, but he's one month into a new church. And so he was uh, texting me and saying, hey, Carl, what advice do you have for me as I begin a new ministry? And I was like, hey, I I need advice too. And and I realized there's a lot of you out there that are beginning new ministries. So that is going to be our topic. And we're actually going to do a short series. So instead of going as long, we're going to break it down in some bite-sized podcast. So wherever you are, sit back, relax, and listen in as we talk Kidmen. Hey, Craig, thanks so much for uh, driving all the way here, not too far from uh, Denver First Church out here to Aurora to join me here. Yeah, good to be here. We're actually kind of church neighbors now, right? Yeah, we'll be able to get together a little bit more often. That mod pizza was was pretty good we had there for lunch. That was pretty good. There's nothing like doing a podcast with a belly full of greasy pizza. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, eating way too much of that now that, I, now that I'm here. Hey, and we're in an awesome podcast studio. Our uh, pastor's really into podcasting. We have a great podcast studio that we're able to record this in. Uh, he's really into equipping and encouraging the folks at our own church. Uh, he does video for uh, small groups and does a regular podcast. I'll put in the show notes uh, how you can learn more about that. But we're going to talk about starting over in kids ministry. And we began this conversation over lunch. I also posted uh, on the Kidology Facebook group, um, you know, just the question, what advice would people have? And we got a lot of great comments. So Craig and I kind of spent lunch reading those comments. We're going to read some of them on the podcast, trying to kind of sort them and and organize them, because obviously there is a plethora of uh, ideas and thoughts and, and things that we can do. And we kind of narrowed it down um, into kind of three basic categories. Yeah, three three areas that came out of some of the responses and then things you and I were talking about. And then Man, even with that, there's there's so much to think about and think through, which is just, you know, reaffirms for me the need to do this. <laughs> well, this is going to be good. It's going to be helpful for me. Uh, Craig and I are uh, veterans. We're old kids pastors as far as kids pastors go. But, you know, we always have to be learning. And uh, so we hope that some of the younger, newer people will benefit from this. But there's never a time that we don't need to be rethinking and reevaluating and even starting fresh you don't have to go to a new church to get a fresh start. So we kind of broke it down into three areas, and we're going to just dive into one of them. The first area uh, that we decided that we kind of, a lot of things fit into this bucket is just the listening and learning stage. So we're going to we're going to talk about that today. Just to give you a teaser, we're going to do two more podcasts. The next one's going to be about, you know, while you're listening and learning, there are some broken things. And so you do need to have some early wins and to kind of just fix some things that are broken. So we're going to dive into that in the next podcast. And then the next one will be the bucket that in the mix of fixing things and listening and learning, um, 
it's change. And so people, they need to be inspired and they need to be excited and there needs to be some fresh energy uh, that comes. And so we're going to talk about some ways to do that. But then even as we got these three buckets, the listening and learning, the fixing what's broken, uh, the inspiring, exciting, we also realized that there's, there's kind of probably not limited to, but there's two very distinct audiences that we have to think about. One is Uh, the people we're serving, you know, the families, so we can talk about that. But there's also those who are serving because some things are behind the scenes. It's the volunteers. It's the health of the volunteers. um, But it's also the families. And so we're going to kind of, with those two rails, talk about um, listening and learning with attention to both the families, the people who come to church who may not know how bad things are, <laughs> um, and the volunteers who are really behind the scenes, the ones making things happen. You know, how do we listen and learn for them? So you're one month in. Um, yeah. You, what are some of the things you've been able to do or that you plan to do um, just to listen and learn as you literally are brand new? Yeah, w- one month in, I, I still feel like I'm drinking from a, a fire hydrant, you know, <laughs> and um, I, I'm still in a, very much in an observation mode. And... Um, Listening, learning, watching. I, I had Carl at my uh, previous ministry. Uh, somebody new came in over family ministries. Um, came in with this great terminology that I love, and it's and it's helped me out here. Um, she came in and, and she says, "Hey, we're going to do a blameless autopsy." I'm like, "Blameless autopsy," and and basically what that is is, you know, hey, here's here's the body. Let's just put it on the table. And, and it might get ugly. It might get it might ugly. Get stinky. Yeah, but hey, let's. And it's not just about hey, it's dead because you know not every ministry you're walking into is dead and and riddled with problems. But it's blameless autopsy. We're going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and and nobody's to blame here. We just want to see what we're dealing with. We want to see what's causing the good things, what's causing the things that aren't going well. Um, it kind of absolves. You know, a lot of times you can walk into. Ministry, and there can be a lot of blame on the person that was there beforehand, and um, that's not very honoring to just you know find yourself in a situation where you or allow the staff and people to constantly trash that person. And there's probably a lot of people in that ministry that are loyal to that person and had a hard time with that person's exit for whatever reasons they may have exit. Sometimes people exit well, and um, so it kind of absolves that person from that. And you're saying, hey, we're not we're not blaming the past person here. But then also maybe current staff and volunteers that you have, it also is kind of takes down that wall of like, oh, I'm worried about, you know, they're going to find these areas I wasn't tending to. So it kind of absolves your new, your staff that you've just maybe inherited from feeling a lot of pressure of, oh, great, they're going to come in and like, they're going to think I'm not doing a good job here or there. It's just, hey, blameless autopsy. Let's just talk about what's working, what's not, and take that pressure off of. You know, you have an advantage when you're new as well. Because you are immune from the blame, you know, our presidents always blame their predecessor, right? Right. Um, But that only lasts a couple of years because at some point they've got... (laughs) They've got to own it's their administration. And uh, not that we should be blaming our predecessor, but we have an advantage in that while we're new, our feelings can't be hurt. Right. You can be really honest with me and just say, hey, what's working? What isn't working? You know, what what's frustrating? I remember in, in one ministry, um, I was brand new and the, 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 uh, the thing I had to fix right away, although we're not jumping into that bucket, was just that they didn't have any volunteers. Because uh, at the time they had set up uh, where people could serve once one week a quarter. Well, there wasn't enough people in the church to staff the children's ministry that way. Um, and as we started recruiting, 
uh, it was difficult to get people to recruit, and they all had reasons. So I said, hey, I'm new. I want dead, honest, dead's probably the wrong word, although I'm going with autopsy, just heart-honest reasons why people don't serve in kids' ministry. And I asked people who weren't serving, and I didn't say you. I just said, you know, what are some reasons you think? And I said, I want really honest questions. And it was fascinating because uh, I ended up finding out, well, I'm always late to church, you know, or I get stuck there after church, or, you know, getting all the supplies together is a pain, you know. And so we made this really honest list. And then we ended up putting together a recruiting brochure that said, what if? And the what if started with, what if you had a group of kids who adored you? What happened? You know, what if you could make a difference in eternity every Sunday? You know, some of those platitudes. But then we got into, what if when class was over, you were able to leave? What if you were never late to church? What if you got the summers off? What if you didn't have to work holidays? And I listed all those those unspoken reasons people leave the kids' mm-hmm. ministry. And then we addressed them one by one by recruiting people who relieved teachers, by recruiting people who ran the resource room. I mean, I won't go into all the details, but we, we took a hard look at those things and said, well, let's solve them. Let's find creative solutions to those things. Yeah. Um, but it was being willing to ask those hard questions and and say, hey, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm new. And this isn't about blame. That's why I love that blameless word. It's, hey, yeah. it's just for the sake of the kids. It's for the sake of the ministry. Yeah, I think a good question to ask too, Carl, and I'm looking at this and we kind of titled this, you know, Listen and Learn. Um, a good question to ask is, who, who do we need to listen to in a new ministry? Um, you know, we need to listen to volunteers. Um, I like to um, find out who are your high-capacity volunteers, who have invested the most, yeah, uh, because they're probably still invested, you know, highly, and and um, it's important to listen to multiple volunteer voices because you want to hear, you know, uh, people are hanging on to things that they see as value, you know, and somebody else may value these things and these things, and um, so you don't want to just hear from one voice; you need to hear from multiple voices. But so volunteers are definitely people you want to listen to, and I like to listen to those high capacity ones. I I sought those ones out early. Those are the ones I've been having lunch with and coffee with um, that have been there a long time, um, been there through the changes, the upswings, the downswings, yeah. and um, because they're they're probably if they've been there that long, they're probably even changes you make or are going to go with you. But uh, to me, those people are important to hear from. Who's your high capacity, super invested volunteers? You know, Tom Bump mentioned on the Facebook group to spend significant time with your senior leader and ask lots of questions about their expectations for your role, direction of the church, how they like to stay informed. Uh, He mentions get to know your key volunteers, like you were just saying. But he also mentions, you know, having some fun with them and dreaming a little. In fact, he, Tom suggests that you carry a notebook with you and write down the concerns you have, the changes that you'd like to make. Um, but he says also write down some of the good things you see um, because sending that positive feedback um, is, is really important. Uh, I think on Kidology there's a post called Reflections of Our Children's Ministry. I'll link it in the, in the notes. Um, I'm not a fan of giving a survey out to everybody um, because you'll get the negative people. Right. You'll get yeah. the complaints. Um, but what I, what I have done, and I haven't done this here, so if anyone from my church listens, they're going to go, hey, you haven't even done this yet. Um, but what I've done in the past several times, in several ministries, and I will do here, is to strategically pick key people. Part of me is still learning who those key people are. And then asking them, I call it reflections on the kids' ministry instead of a survey, um, because it's basically saying reflect on the kids' ministry. You know, what do you think our vision is? What do you think our purpose is? What do you think we're doing well? Uh, what do you think we could do better? Because a reflection is 
is very open-handed. A survey sometimes, when you say, tell me what I should be doing, mm-hmm. then they tell you, and then they wonder why you're not doing it. It's like, well, I wasn't asking for marching orders. I was asking for your for your thoughts, you right. know? And um, so sometimes just, and then you, you pick some key families, you pick key volunteers, you can pick former volunteers that you heard, you know, used to be really involved. Um, and maybe they quit because they had kids or some totally fair reason, but they're still going to have uh, an eye on the kids' ministry. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important, Carl, I think um, in that listening stage, in the listen and learn, is uh, to just try your best to just observe, take notes, don't make promises. Because a lot of times what I found in this is the questions are, well, what are you going to do about this? Yeah. Uh, they have passions and things they want to know about. And they're, they're almost, some of it's testing you. I want to know what you think about this. This is important to me. So tell, and you know, and I, and I admittedly, I'm, I'm of that personality. I like to be liked. Yeah. You know, and so you I want to please a, them. Yeah. I can be a bit of a people pleaser. And so I've tried to be very patient not to make promises in this listening stage. And, and also in, in with, you know, I've had a couple that I've had to say, you know, things like, hey, I'm, you know, listen, I'm, I'm listening and I want to hear um, but I'm also listening to where God's leading and the leadership of this church. And I'm trying to determine, and I want to do this together, but once we feel like we know where God's leading us, we're, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's this, you know, it's so listening without promising um, just to appease. And especially if you come in, you know, I want to lose these people. Or you might hear, all these people have been here forever. You don't want to rock that boat. And, you know, it's very, very, it can be very fragile. Yeah. You know, Matt McDaniels makes a good point. He says to gather feedback from, and he says every single volunteer, and it, even no matter how long it takes, but he makes the point, don't do it at church during services. Mm. You know, make make it a point to do it during the week. And uh, he says it, it might take you a year or two mm. to get through everybody, um, but everybody's got some valuable input. And, uh, and a lot of people, yeah, they may say the same things, um, but that's just reaffirming. But some people will surprise you. Um, yeah. the, the, the things that they will say. I think another thing, too, in that listening learning process is ask the next question. Um, and an example for me would be, you know, I, I, what I kept hearing is everybody hated the curriculum, right, <laughs> that they were on. I'm sure nobody's ever had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, the thing was, is I, you know, I knew I could change the curriculum, and 50% of them will hate that one. Exactly. And, and so what I realized in, in listening more and asking the next questions is they didn't hate the curriculum. They, they hate how it was being implemented and the strategy for it, how they were being forced. Or they were, they were hating do, that they weren't allowed to be flexible. There was no it. flexibility, no freedom. Um, so, so if I come to you and say, oh, Craig, I'm so glad you're here. I hate the curriculum that your predecessor picked. Mm-hmm. What's your next question to me? Yeah, I would say, well, tell me about the curriculum. First, is it, did, it, did you buy it at Kidology? <laughs> good answer, good answer. Because <laughs> if you didn't, that's probably your problem. Um, no, I think I, I would ask, tell me about the curriculum. You know, I want to know what things specifically don't you like about it. Uh, for me, in that, you know, those kind of questions, and I found out, you know, I found out, well, there's, uh, there's too many activities. Oh, okay. There's mm-hmm. too many activities. Well, yeah, we were told we had to do every activity every week. And we couldn't fit and it. And we don't have the time, or I know my kids better. This activity you will could, never work you without four-year-old ask, boys. Well, what's important to you in a curriculum? If they say no curriculum, then you might have an issue with them. But they might right. say, well, you know, it never had the gospel in it. 
Mm-hmm. And you'd say, okay, that's c- good, because some curriculums, they don't. They, and that's yeah. not necessarily a criticism, just a reality. They're focused on Bible content, and they want to be friendly to multiple denominations. But you could th- then you can say, well, well, what if we provided some some gospel tools that you could incorporate into the lesson on a periodic basis? You know, So you can kind of find what their rub is, because you're right. You could buy another curriculum, and that's not exactly going to guaranteed be, be the simple uh, answer, you know? Yeah, no. So, uh, so in, in whatever the situation is, likes, dislikes, it is, what's the next question? You ask those next questions because it may not just be what you're hearing. I heard how much people hated the curriculum and, but that wasn't really the issue. You know, I could probably change this curriculum up and people would be fine. It's giving them the freedom that they want to not have to feel the pressure to do this and do this and do that. I'm more of a freedom guy anyway. So just by already, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's sometimes deeper answers to what you think you're hearing. You know, Matt Johnson, a good friend of mine, has been on Yosemite, as, as, as was Tom. He, he has a, a kind of a, a fun, uh, I don't know, maybe fun's the wrong word, uh, a, a unique take on how to learn. And he said, do a clean sweep, uh, literally clean the children's wing. But he says, with a few volunteers. I made that mistake. I cleaned out a big closet all by myself. And as just a way to serve the volunteers and and. I kind of wanted to be able to get rid of stuff without a, a committee deciding, but at the same time, I missed out on getting just the social aspect of it. Uh, but then he goes on to say it's a great way to learn the building, to learn where the stuff is, and what stuff you have, and most importantly, share stories. And he says, like, why is there half of a giant mouse costume in the preschool <laughs> closet? Or how did you end up with so many layers of paint in the large group room? You know, but it's true because uh, the things you find, I found old Bible quizzing things. In fact, I posted that in the in the Facebook group uh, for Kidology. Uh, I found different things, and stories came out of those, you know, past missions projects. I, fa- I, I actually found a giant rabbit costume, um, not, not a mouse costume in our closet. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's a way just to go through and ask stories. How do we get those? Oh, these were donated or what, what was the, oh, we did this big event or whatever. Some of that stuff may need to be purged and thrown out. Um, but, uh, but there's a learning that can go on in the meantime. That, that reminds me when I landed at my last ministry and, you know, you, you come in, you got these fresh eyes and, you know, I was picking the low hanging fruit and this, the facility that I came to clearly needed attention. It hadn't had attention. And it needed, you know, it was just even simple stuff. There was no branding and just simple things that are, you know, I like that, you know, eye candy and things like that. And so you go, oh, gosh, man, well, you know, almost thinking as if they've never had it before. And you think, man, we could really change this out. And, you know, I could have rushed off and started doing that next week. And then when I started talking to my staff that I inherited, and I started asking questions about this. Well, I found out there's a whole bunch of controversy around the facility. And it was, uh, hey, it involved a, a, a senior pastor's wife coming in without really permission and painting everything without asking any of the staff. And so there was all this controversy around it. And also that the the MO was every time we get a new children's pastor, they paint everything. And yeah. we talk about the walls. You know, the walls used to be 10 feet wide in the hallway. Now they're six <laughs> feet because there's that many layers of paint. Yeah, exactly. But, but that told me a lot. What that told me was I don't want my first leadership move to be paint because they won't be. They won't care about that. Yeah, every time we get somebody new, we paint. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, needed, I needed higher purpose. Yeah, that. and I mentioned on one of the earlier podcasts, you know, uh, I, one of the things I wanted to fix right away was check-in. And, and, and my, my boss, you know, was like, hey, every new kid's pastor wants to change the check-in system. 
And um, he says, I want you to get get what we have working and focus on everything. And, and I totally respected that as much as I wanted to get kid check in here and express check in and all that going. And I still hope for that down the road. Um, but yeah, we got to be aware of what, what's been done in the past. I really like what Michael Sims said in the Facebook group. Um, he said, focus more on being rather than doing. Mm. Doing cool stuff in Kidman is great, but being a loving, compassionate leader, and I love this, he said, is more greatest-er. <laughs> so uh, kids, pastors, in the, in the grammar. But, you know, don't forget you're a pastor. And by the way, I don't care if your title's pastor or director, director or coordinator. There's all this. Lord of the children. Yeah, whatever. whatever it is. Children's minister, emperor, you know. Um, you're a pastor. And uh, I know not, not every children's director gets to have that title, but biblically, you are the shepherd of the children's ministry, the shepherd of the volunteers. And sometimes we lose sight of that. We're all about the program and improving the program. But, you know, we've got to be sensitive to the volunteers. Sometimes when when they drop the ball, we want to correct them. And it's like, well, how do we know the car didn't break down? They just lost their job. This, yeah. A family member's got an illness. We need to make sure that we're we're a pastor first and a program runner second. And that will that will gain us credibility and those other things we're after down the road. That brings up a good point too, Carl, with that pastoral, because you don't know, you may not know, uh, you may know hopefully in the interview process, ask lots of questions, but sometimes there's questions you don't think to ask and miss or the senior leadership isn't aware of. But um, you may be walking in a situation that's very healthy. Leaders are healthy. Mm -hmm. um, they've been cared for. They're fine. But you also may find yourself in a situation where, uh, and I have a little bit of this, where just a little bit disenfranchised. They've had a lot of turnover. Um, they've, they've seen a lot of loss. And, and so there's that, you know, there's that deflation. There's some hurt. There's some trust issues there. And so... And if they've seen leaders come and go... Nothing personal against you, but they may just not believe you're even going to be around very long. Right. And there's a trust issue. Yeah, I, la I landed, I was just talking with you about this at lunch. I landed at, at my last ministry and no nobody even knew I was coming. They didn't even announce like, oh, a new children's pastor coming. And there was some staff in place, um, but this church had had a lot of turnover in the position. And literally, I just moved out of state, left my family behind, you know, for the first month. And yeah, there was some anxiousness around that. And my first week being introduced to uh, children's volunteers... I had more than three or four look at me and say something like, are you going to be here longer than six months? Wow. And, and it was good for me to hear that, though, because now I knew, okay, I could tell them anything I want. I could tell them I'm not a jump around guy. I've only been at one ministry before, and I'm 25 years into this. This is only my second ministry, and I could tell them anything I want, and they may not believe or trust me. I knew that the only thing was going to earn that trust was time over time over time of me being there. It also let me know that, you know what, man, big big vision stuff, big change stuff, they might not be, be behind me right away. Yeah, they, they want to know if you're here for the long haul. And that's that pastoral part, though, that relational part. And I had some of that, I've had some of that with staff, too, if you're inheriting a staff. You know, one of the things you get with the staff is they're on eggshells of worrying about, do I have value to this new person? And in a sense, sometimes they kind of automatically have that insecurity and in fighting for their job. And I think you can go a long way with your pastoral ability to give them comfort to say, hey, first and foremost, I care about who you are, your child of God, and, mm -hmm. and tell me about who you are. And, and I'm more concerned with who you are than what you can do for me. Now, there's a job to be done. We have to get in and see that. But once they know and feel and trust that you do care more about them as a child of God than a work machine, 
I think it takes a, a level of armor off that is going to create a better working team. I think a key word you said is time. You know, we, we can be in a hurry. Katie Hales, Hales, I hope I'm saying her name right, says, don't beat yourself up. We're all learning. And then she puts in parentheses, I used to condemn myself for the smallest things when starting out. And Kim Simmons said, uh, stay humble, remember who you work for, but I love Annette. She said, breathe, just breathe. And then Matt Johnson, who I quoted earlier, he replied to her and said, and just do the next good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we, we have this grand vision. I, 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 I have kept all these years, and it's, it's, it's so funny, my first kids' ministry uh, at the Moody Church in Chicago. I just graduated Moody Bible Institute. In fact, I hadn't even graduated yet. I started full-time. Graduation was in a couple weeks. And uh, I, I held a vision thing with, with the volunteers. And, of course, I was a green thumb, and I was just excited. And uh, I laugh now because I still have these spiral-bound things that I made and passed out to everyone. I kept Hold one. on, Carl. You were a green thumb once? <laughs> I thought you were just hatched a children's ministry veteran Oh, from baby. Brian Dollar beat me to the book on uh, all the mess-ups he made. I was going to write a book because everyone assumes you know, yeah. you're a veteran. You've always done everything right. And I was actually working on a book on all my screw-ups. And yeah. Brian Dollar beat me with his book, I right. Blew It. So I told him I'll write the sequel. I want to call it I Blew It Too. Yeah, I, I think that's a great title. I, I, I blew it too. I was gonna do one really? on all my mess ups, but, but I blew it three doesn't sound as good. No, but plus they they didn't want to deplete an entire rainforest. Yeah, I, I would have that organization <laughs> after. Me. But at this at this vision thing, I had I had a setup team, a takedown team, a prayer team, a mission team, a worship team, a this team, a that. I must have introduced like forty teams <laughs> in in a room of twelve people, you know, and and I and they were so kind to me. They just clapped yeah. and oh, that's said, cute, boy. <laughs> that's cute, Carl. And I, I cast all this vision. I mean, and Moody Church was a decent-sized church, but I think my vision exceeded even the size of the church if I'd gotten every single person in, in ministry. And uh, But, you know, I chuckle now, um, and that was just unbridled enthusiasm as a rookie kids pastor. Um, but since then, I've learned, you know, and even now, as I pitch things to people, or they've come back, hey, you early on, you kind of hinted at this, and I'll say, you know what, I'm... I haven't. I just haven't got to that yet, yeah. and I and I've got. Or I used to feel bad to say that. Now now I'm okay, and I just say, you know what? Um, as I've gotten older, I used to work seven days a week. I used to be unhealthy in my balance. I've talked about that in other places. Now you know I'm hopefully a better husband and a better dad um, because I I just have boundaries and I have margins. There's things I just don't get to, and yeah. it's okay. You know, Carl, Tom, i backtrack a little bit to something to listen and learn that I think is important. Tom Bump was talking about, you know, spending that time with your, your senior leadership, your senior pastor, and getting to know vision from him and his expectations. I think there's a lot of value in spending a lot of time with um, all of the new staff, of your new staff at a new church, and, um, you know, showing interest in their ministry and finding out where your ministries intersect and cross over because some of some of those ministries might be some of your best supporters if you're getting in, you know find out early on how uh, how you're going to be able to work with your youth pastor because your youth pastor one you guys can um, have an expanded vision 
but then also, uh, man, you can utilize a lot. Find out what's their heart and vision for uh, teens serving. I mean, you can provide opportunities for his teens to serve, and there's a lot of co-op that can happen there, but also other ministries, um, getting to know them and genuinely caring about what they're doing and how do how does our ministry be a blessing to you? How can your ministry be a blessing to us? Some of those ministries and, and ministry leaders in your church that are on staff might be some of your best recruiters. That's awesome. Well, there's definitely... Uh, Lots more we could talk about. I think um, the main point here is don't try to do everything. Uh, Listen, learn. There's evaluating. There's formal evaluation. There's informal evaluation. Um, But one of the things you mentioned that uh, I think would be a good way to end this session, this podcast, would be to talk about one of the hardest things to evaluate. Yeah, yeah. Carl, I had, and this came up because even one of my good friends who's um, very pastoral, and he did my wife and I's marriage counseling, and he was our college age pastor, and um, actually almost had an opportunity to go work for him um, before I came to Colorado. Um, and, um, you know, when he found out I was moving to a new ministry, and, you know, he asked me about, you know, how, how I'm doing, and are you, are you heading into this new ministry wounded from your last one? And he was, you know, hey, I'm concerned about that. How, how is your, you know, what's your self-care level? And I think that's important um, to, you know, make sure you have that time. Um, if you need the healing, um, if you need some time for sabbatical, for some rest, uh, if you have issues of, you know, look, we, we don't always leave uh, prior ministry great. Um, sometimes it is. It's just different opportunities. But sometimes it is because of hurts and things. And so have you dealt with forgiveness issues? And um, what baggage are you carrying in that could affect and impact your current ministry that you're heading into? And that's important to do. I, li- I joked with Carl earlier, I literally had four hours between my two ministries. Because oh, I had my last day uh, at my last ministry and the goodbyes and all that. And that's an emotional roller coaster. And then I literally left there and had an hour for lunch and a quick snooze. And then Four hours in between the two, I drove to my new ministry because there was a big event, and I saw it as a great opportunity to uh, shake hands and kiss babies. Or is it shake babies and kiss hands? Yeah. I always get those confused, but uh, <laughs> a good chance to rub shoulders with people, you know. And then I started the next day. And now I, I'd been in a process and, and things that I'd, I'd had opportunities to do some rest and sabbatical and and get that, you know, so I was okay with that. But that's, I think that's critical. Yeah, sadly, a lot of ministry transitions uh, are because of hardship. Yeah. Um, and it could be uh, philosophical disagreement with the leadership. It could be something ungodly that happened. It could be a sin issue on yourself or the leadership above you. And we take that baggage with us. And uh, a lot of times there's anger, there's hurt. Um, but what we have to do is is make sure we evaluate ourselves mm-hmm. and what what part of that mess can I own mm-hmm. and and e- what could I have done differently? Could I have taken a higher road? Um, you know, one of my earlier bosses drilled into me the phrase "perception is reality." Yep. You know, and there would be times I'd be hurt because I, I would be accused of a character trait that I passionately believe was not true of me. And it was it was hurtful, and uh, and and yet this mentor said, "Okay, Carl, if someone thinks that of you, and it's not true, then they perceive that. So you still have to wrestle with how did I give that perception? You know what what ways I carried myself, and a lot of times my over enthusiasm, I would plow over people, and that could be perceived as pride or cockiness or 
or overconfidence or whatever. And when I would get these stinging evaluations, it would hurt. And I'd have to say, okay, I got to change my MO because if I feel like my heart's in the right place, well, then obviously I'm, I'm hurting other people. And, and that's, that's the hardest work. Um, because if we, if we see a common thread in ministries, the common uh, of issues, the hardest thing is to go, well, I'm the common denominator right. in each of those situations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so if this if this keeps happening, maybe it's because I'm there. Right. And so what do I need to learn or change or just own? We're all sinful. We all have weaknesses. You know, there's you go to the bookstore, there's a million books on discovering your strengths and your giftedness. I wish there was a book on how to discover what you stink at. Right. Uh, discover your spiritual weaknesses. I'll, I'll write yours for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll write yours. <laughs> because... Uh, <laughs> Because owning that and realizing that, you can't even necessarily change all of it, especially if it's not a sin issue. It's just the way God wants. Every strength has a a balancing weakness. And so we we focus on our strengths, but then there's a glaring weakness. And unfortunately, people tend to see the weaknesses more than our strengths. I wish they would just notice our strengths. And and this too, and this might be a good closing point on that, although it's your podcast, I guess you get to decide what the closing point is. I got the stop button right here. But... um, uh, this is what, and my last supervisor, you know, really uh, encouraged me with this. And um, however, exiting and heading in your new place, always protect the bride. It's a good word. Yeah. And, and that's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, I remember, uh, I forget his name escapes me. They called him the coach, the, the founder of the Promise Keepers movement. Um, but he always said the measure of a man is in the countenance of his wife. Mm. And that's always kind of haunted me because... Uh, you know, it's not what you say to your wife. It's not what you buy your wife. It's not how you provide for your wife. A countenance is something you can't control. Yeah. It has to do with her heart. And uh, if, if your wife's struggling, if she's discouraged, if she's hurt, um, hopefully it's not because of you, but a ministry can drain a wife. And there's been times in ministry I've had to make a change that I could have stuck it out, but it wasn't healthy for my wife and it wasn't healthy for my marriage. And I said, you know what? My family's more important than my ministry. And um, so we've got to guard that yeah. and, and our kids too. So the way I end the podcast is I just start the music. Oh, because yeah. Because then um, well, it's like the lights going out. This is in video, but I dance to that closing You dance music. that? Yeah, I get down with it's my some good self. music. Well, hey, we've just gotten started. And I know we didn't really divide it into family and volunteers, but we do have to focus on what can we learn from the families who attend, asking them questions. But our volunteers, we're going to get two totally different perspectives. So post in the in the Facebook conversation that's linked with this podcast, um, maybe some creative things you've done to listen and to learn, and then join us on the next podcast as we're going to talk about while we're when we're not when we're done listening, but once we've done enough listening to start just fixing some things and getting some early wins that we can begin to build with. So until next time, thanks. <laughs>